Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Perhaps you saw the extremely sad, tragic news concerning a certain gentleman who was attacked and killed by a tiger shark off the shore of Maui, just 60 yards from the shore. Thomas Smiley and his wife Gail had been going to Hawaii for vacation for 14 years. And he went out for a quick dip. And that was his last dip. Interestingly enough, authorities, meaning Maui police, fire and public safety, they were monitoring this shark. That's right. They were monitoring it. But interestingly enough, they did not see fit to post any warnings about the known presence of this very large tiger shark and its extremely close proximity to this beach. No, they didn't want to frighten any vacationers or tourists unnecessarily. They did not want to hamper the tourism trade. Certainly, that would have been untoward, unnecessary, unreasonable. Much better to keep this a secret and to simply secretly monitor the comings and goings of this shark. If you recall from my previous program, immediately prior to this program, I referred to a great white shark and its travels in Long Island Sound, and that it has been monitored now for more than a year after being caught and tagged off of Nova Scotia. And lo and behold, here just ever so recently, heading into summer, it managed to make its way all the way up Long Island Sound, clear to the beaches of Greenwich, Connecticut, right next to the state line between Connecticut and New York, and a short distance, very short distance, from New York City. And it was detected being extremely close to shore, not 60 yards away, extremely extremely close to shore, but we were told not to be concerned about it. Yes, that we should think before entering the water, but then go ahead and enter the water. No problem. Just a great white shark, just a small one, just 10 feet and, you know, 1,500, 2,000 pounds or something like that. You should still go ahead and go into the water, right? You remember, of course, the great statements that were made back after the September 11th 
2001 Islamist terrorist attacks that they would not succeed, they would not prevail, that everyone needs to go on about their lives, needs to go on doing the same exact things that they've been doing. Otherwise, we allow the Islamist terrorists to win. So we need to keep on shopping, keep on going to restaurants, keep on going to movies, keep on congregating in the major metropolitan cities because otherwise the Islamist terrorists win. Of course, they didn't use the term Islamist, just terrorists win. And those sentiments were repeated often, (laughs) oh so frequently, by the Bush administration, by the spokespeople, the Condoleezza Rices and the others, but, and coming first and foremost from the president himself. Here we have, interestingly enough, the same thing. There by this wonderful organization with the acronym OCEAN, which has been monitoring that great white shark, (laughs) and the leader of that organization being excited about it. It was exciting It was not only exciting that the great white shark was all the way up the Long Island Sound to Greenwich, but exciting about its presence off the coast of Cape Cod and so on and so forth. Very exciting. Very good news for for fishermen and whatever that obviously this speaks of very great health in the... uh, the fish population, right? And the seal population and what have you. Just great good news. And nothing to be concerned about. Nothing to be unduly concerned about. By all means, you know, you should think about it. Be aware of it. You know, take precautions before you enter the water. But, you know, by all means, enter the water. So too here in Hawaii. They're monitoring this shark. Right. But not telling anybody about it, not posting any warnings. Fascinating. Is there any possibility of liability here? Any possibility? Now, his wife, she said, I'm not blaming anybody. And she didn't. And she's wrong, in my opinion, not to blame anybody. Because clearly, unmistakably, (laughs) the Maui Police and Department of Land are to blame, (laughs) who were monitoring this shark and failing, deliberately failing to let the people know about this imminent threat. But yes, after her husband was slaughtered, officials then, and I think, (laughs) I'm amazed that they did this, I think they really blundered, they should have just kept it to themselves, they told Gail Smiley that they had been monitoring this tiger shark in that immediate area. Just our government, again, looking out for us, taking care of us. It's just like, for instance, off of the coast of California, all along the coast of California, and I'm sure this is true in so many other places. It certainly is true in exceedingly progressive, dare I say, leftist 
California, my home state, that it is illegal to kill sharks, illegal to hunt sharks, right? It's perfectly okay for them to hunt you and your family and loved ones because that's, after all, it's their ocean. Oh, really? It's their ocean. Well, anyway, and you're intruding in it. I'm Really, that is the thinking of the extreme leftists, and it's illegal to kill them. And so devices that were used to kill sharks, to save people's lives, to prevent tragedies like this in the past, were made illegal. Boomsticks were made illegal. But anyway, fascinating, our government again at work. Speaking of our government at work, the last word I had concerning this little girl, this five-year-old girl, was that she was missing. I happen to believe, and perhaps she's been, her body has been found, I happen to believe that she was raped and murdered. She certainly was kidnapped, and not just for the sake of kidnapping her. It was to kidnap her, rape her, and then either keep her, this five-year-old girl, as a sex slave, or sell her to some traffickers or murder her. And who is the one that has committed this crime, do you suppose? Was this a stranger, as is usually the case? No, this is a 21-year-old uncle to this little girl, brother of the mother or father of this little girl. Fascinating, just just tremendous. <laughs> but let me see, perchance I can determine, because I haven't previously, perhaps I can determine whether he is the brother of the mother or of the father. Brother of the mother. Okay, his name's Alex Whipple, 21 years old, 21 years of age, the little girl, five-year-old girl, Elizabeth Shelley in Logan, Utah. And she was last seen in her parents' house at 2 a.m. when her mother went to bed, 2 a.m. Well, guess what? Alex, the uncle, was visiting the family. And you might think, well, how could anybody know? How could you suspect that, that anything like this could happen? This is completely, utterly, totally unforeseeable. Or was it? <laughs> he was wanted, Alex, the uncle, was wanted for violating probation. He was currently wanted at that time. <laughs> for violating probation on recent charges of receiving stolen property and driving under the influence, and he was in possession of drug paraphernalia and arrested on that charge and his previous warrant. Good boy. You know, no such thing as a bad boy. Well... Police searched. They were called by the parents. They searched for the little girl. And they found items belonging to or connected to that little girl and to him. And then they found him at 3 p.m. 
that day 300 miles south of Logan. So we're talking about depending on traffic, depending on the road network and so forth, five, six hours away. But lo and behold, he is not cooperating with police. No. Shocking about that. He made inconsistent statements. In other words, he lied to the police. Yes. And it was stated that everything he has done has been quite deceptive. And we have no reason to believe anything he's saying is accurate. Anything he's saying is the truth. It's all lies. So, if the little girl's body has not been found at this time, then we're talking about it's a week since she was taken captive. So my question is this. You know, for all of those people who say, oh, it's terrible, it's horrible, to subject terrorists to anything that can be construed as torture, right? And by all means, this is the way Israel operates, too. You know, you can't... What was it I saw there in Israel? It was shocking. It was just shocking concerning Islamist terrorists there. (laughs) That the Israeli government was in trouble for having some Islamist terrorists have to stand in place for three hours and be turned around multiple times. That constituted torture. (laughs) Fantastic. But here the authorities, they know, unless they are the dullest and dumbest and stupidest and most incompetent authorities of all time, police authorities, law enforcement authorities, unless they are, they know he did it. They know he's guilty of it. The only question is, where is she? But isn't it interesting they can't see fit to do anything to manage to get information from him? Even if it could mean the difference between life and death for this little girl. Isn't that fascinating? No, no, no. We must not do anything that would violate his Civil rights, right? Even if it means that the little girl, the five-year-old girl whom he kidnapped and raped, that is a foregone conclusion, if they finally determine, well, she was sexually molested, she was sexually abused. But, of course, we never use the term rape because, you know, that used to be a capital crime. So... We just don't use that, just like we don't use the term murder any more than absolutely necessary. But if by some chance he has her holed up somewhere, he has her imprisoned in some fashion, by all means, don't use any methods to elicit the information from him that could keep her from suffocating to death, starving to death, dying from dehydration, dying from exposure to the elements and so forth. By all means, don't do that. Because he, the kidnapper, the rapist, his rights trump hers. The innocent little five-year-old girl. 
Excellent. This is the way we do things in the United States of America. This is the way we deal with violent, predatory criminals in the United States of America. And this is the way we take care of, look after, defend, and protect the innocent. Bravo, Utah. You're right in there with California, New York State, Illinois. Utah's supposed to be the most conservative of the conservative, right? Supposed to be. But now it has become a haven for lesbians, among other things. Very popular uh, with the sodomite community now, amazingly enough. I mean, truly. (laughs) You know, back when I lived in Utah a long time ago, once upon a time, it was a different place. There had not been a Winter Olympiad. No. There was no professional NBA basketball team. No. There was tourism for fabulous powder snow skiing at many beautiful mountain resorts. There was tourism for fishing in places like the Green River and Lake Powell and what have you. There was tourism for watching the land speed trials and that sort of thing on the salt flats. There was tourism for hunting in the Rocky Mountains. Those were the principal movers and shakers there pertaining to tourism. It was an active tourist industry. But back when I lived there, Mormonism absolutely was pervasive. It still is. The population now is supposedly down to, I'm not sure, I've got it here somewhere, at least two-thirds Mormon, if not three-quarters. But back then, it was more. (laughs) Back then, it was 95% or so. But Perhaps you've seen the ads. I've seen them online. I do not know if they are having these ads on TV. I do not have network TV, but I suspect that they're running these ads on network TV. And they go along these lines, the ones online. They say they will show a woman, sister so-and-so or sister so-and-so. They show young women whom they refer to as sister. Now, there are different Christian denominations that will refer to women as sister. And because of the nature of the ads that I was seeing first, going back, oh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, they didn't say anything about Mormonism. So when I saw that, I saw sister so-and-so, and and I saw... uh, Come unto Christ.org and so forth. I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know, is this um, perhaps River Brethren or uh, Mennonites or what is this? <laughs> but no, no, it's the Mormons. And uh, one of their online ads, it says, A companion to the Bible. Come unto Christ.org. Request a free copy of the Book of Mormon delivered to your door. Another one, now it says, find God's plan for you. Request a free copy of the Book of Mormon delivered to your door. So a companion to the Bible, find God's plan for you. And these ads that I saw were not showing these sisters, these young women. 
And so it's a, it's a progressive campaign. You, know, you start here and you, you move it along, just like you see these ad campaigns where such and such is coming. You know, and they just give you a you know, piece of the story and it keeps on building. But the Book of Mormon, what about, what's wrong with that, with the Book of Mormon? I mean, really, comeuntochrist.org. If you know anything about Mormonism, other than what they tell you, <laughs> you know that coming into Mormonism is not about coming to Christ, just the opposite. The Book of Mormon, if you believe, if you believe that Joseph Smith authored it and did not steal it from some other charlatan, then you know this, that if Joseph Smith truly was the author of this work, you know that it is written by a habitual liar who is heavily (laughs) dabbled in the occult back in his day, who was a charlatan, a con man, and who in later years would apparently commit kidnap, rape, and so forth, and of course started polygamy among his devoted followers, from which his wife broke off and started a reformed Latter-day Saint group. But just, you know, a stellar citizen. So if you believe he's the author, as he claimed to be, and as Mormons claim is the case, that is the author and finisher of their faith. All right? In other words, the absolute diametric opposite to Jesus Christ. If you have any inkling, any interest in drawing nigh unto the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, you do not go through a profane vehicle like a work that is purportedly authored by such a profane individual as that. Any more than you turn to the Quran, authored by Muhammad, the falsest of false prophets, along with Joseph Smith and those who have followed him. But, by all means, <laughs> if you have interest in Jesus, go to the Bible, not this purported companion to the Bible. What does Mormonism, what does Islam and the others like them have in common? (laughs) Other than their holy books being authored by liars, charlatans, in the case of Muhammad, mass murderers, rapists, child rapists, kidnappers, destroyers, slaughterers, and leaders of worldwide enslavement. (laughs) That's what you get with Muhammad and Islam, and again, then you have what you have with Mormonism. 
That's what they have in common. Command and control of people. You know, supposedly, when you hear of this polygamous group of some sect of Mormons or whatever, or this polygamous group or what have you, supposedly those are anomalies, right? In other words, those don't belong in Mormonism. But in point of fact, they are following the blueprint, the template that was crafted by Joseph Smith and continued on after him by Brigham Young and so forth. They are. Yes, after the federal government required polygamy to be brought to an end, Mormonism, the leaders of Mormonism, they made some changes, right? But they still, when we were living in Utah, they still held that if God changed his mind, that they would reinstitute polygamy. That's right. That's what they told my mother. (laughs) But when she questioned about it, that is, elders of the Church of Mormonism, I don't refer to them by their their loftier title, all right? I just refuse to any more than I have to, like when I mentioned, again, with reference to his Joseph Smith's wife who left him <laughs> and who still who still clung to mormonism but jehovah's witnesses same thing again the leaders who are responsible for their holy books again liars and charlatans my bible programs are separate from this okay They are. Christ's resurrection of life, body, and so forth. They are separate from this. But nonetheless, have to say that Jesus said that Satan came only to steal and murder and destroy. And he also said that Satan was the father of lies. When you find habitual liars, you are dealing with destroyers who serve Satan, of all things. Perhaps you don't believe in Satan, likely you don't believe in heaven and hell and God and so forth. But as I always begin this program and end it, that after all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. The truth is we can know what God has already clearly stated will happen. Now, mind you, a lot of what he says is cloaked in mystery and so forth. But he also makes some things very clear as far as what is coming in the future. So if you have a desire to learn about Christ and about God and about what's really going to happen... The only authoritative source is the Holy Bible, not some, not some vile work of some vile individuals. Okay, that, but what they do with the Book of Mormon, with the Koran, 
with the Jehovah's Witnesses' work are that they imitate the Bible. That's right. They imitate the Holy Bible. They imitate the cadence of the Bible. They imitate the wording of the Bible. They imitate, interestingly enough, Catholicism. They imitate Jewry very deliberately in order to make these false works appear to be from God. But moving on, before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, failing is due to me. In Utrecht, Netherlands, perhaps, and I'm undoubtedly mispronouncing it, Perhaps that name is familiar to you, as well it should be. There was a murderous attack on a train in Utrecht, Netherlands. There, were, there was more than one attack, but the one that was in Utrecht, as far as I recall, which I commented on some programs ago, was committed on a train by a fellow from Turkey who has been living in the Netherlands and who murdered, oh, I can't remember, she was related to him, and he ended up attacking people around her as well who tried to help her, tried to save her life. But if, in fact, it was a different attack, pardon me, but again, Islamist man, whether it was intended to be a terrorist attack, they didn't know at the time, but it... uh, or whether it was just a family affair. But in Utrecht, Netherlands, this woman, a grandmother, was living with her daughter. This woman, a Jewish grandmother again, from Iran, was sentenced to be put to death. And the sentence was declared in absentia. She had left. She had fled (laughs) Iran and was living in the Netherlands with her daughter, and they were seeking asylum in the Netherlands. But the Netherlands, in their great wisdom, they refused her asylum. Hear, hear, former Christian Netherlands, Holland. That's right, you certainly are not deserving of this, right? You're under a death sentence from the Islamist regime in Iran, but we're not going to grant you asylum. Yeah. Well, it's a very horrendous ruling, to put it mildly, a damnable one, a damned one. But... What was it that she did back in Iran? Well, she was convicted of violating Islamic rules of the Islamic revolution. 
and of having committed anti-regime activity. What did she do, though? Those are the charges. That's what she was convicted of. She started an underground organization to provide housing for women who were being violently abused by their Islamist husbands and who were not permitted a divorce. That's right. But she had left Iran a year prior to being sentenced in order to flee the country. I think that was probably in her mind, but also to help her pregnant daughter, who was a political refugee seeking asylum in the Netherlands. I do not know the outcome of this case, but again, great work, Netherlands, great work, the West, you know, the enlightened former Christian West. Speaking of the former Christian West, Britain, where so many exciting things are going on right now, right? A university there, the University of Birmingham, not to be confused with Birmingham, Alabama, which assuredly takes its name from Birmingham, England. But there has been a rising tide of anti-Jewish sentiment. Again, I do not care for the term, do not agree with the term anti-Semitism, because it is not exclusive to Jews. As far as Semites, it's not exclusive to Jews, so I think it is a very wrong term to use. But there has been a growing amount of this. Why do you suppose that is? Could it have anything to do with the extremely large influx of Muslims into Great Britain? Extremely large influx of Muslims into UK, Great Britain, generally, England specifically, London most specifically. Could it possibly have anything to do with that? Well, lo and behold, it's very strong in London. And these various Islamist groups that supposedly are just protesting and so forth there on a regular basis, that rant and rave, no, I'm not talking about myself, rant and rave, against the British, against Christians, against Jews, and call for the death of Jews and Christians and so forth. But, oh, just exercising their right to free speech there. (laughs) Interestingly enough, there have been direct links between those organizations and mosques and imams And Islamist terrorism. Shocking. Who would have dreamt? Who would imagine? So hard to believe, but true. But lo and behold, at University of Birmingham, it's a different situation, and there are a great many Jewish young people there who are enjoying 
what I am guessing are the last days in Britain, (laughs) very possibly the last days in Britain, uh, before Islam takes over the whole nation. This is so reminiscent of Nazi Germany. So reminiscent. And the Jewish people stayed. Why did they stay? Most of them stayed. Some attempted to leave the country and were refused entrance into England. Refused entrance into other nations like Netherlands. Refused entrance into Palestine. Refused entrance even into U.S., but in cases, <laughs> isolated cases. But I can't help think that this is so similar. It, it is a, an evidence of what is coming. But many families stayed. Why did they stay? They stayed because their homes were there. Their businesses were there. They were invested in Germany. They had lived there for generations. Grandfathers had bravely fought in World War I, were German patriots, and they stayed. And they stayed until it was too late. But I can't help but think that there is some similarity. Perhaps you've heard, (laughs) I'm sure you have, about the various different elections going on, (laughs) you know, in Europe and in Britain. In Britain and Netherlands, specifically, but they already took place in France. And interestingly enough, in France, the more conservative party prevailed. Amazing. But as times worsen, as times worsen throughout Europe and UK, and as Islam grows even stronger, even more numerous, even more populous, I suspect that the conservative so-called conservative, pseudo-conservative, nearer conservative parties will enjoy greater support and backing from the populations. But we will see. Who can possibly say about such things? Meanwhile, in Germany, dear old Germany, there was an interesting... Incident, going back a year now, more than a year. But uh, Felix Klein, he said the following, quote, I call on all citizens in Berlin and everywhere in Germany to wear the kippah on Saturday when people will agitate unbearably against Israel and against Jews. So why... To wear this. It, this is akin to, you could say, the matter of 
people wearing, people non-Jews wearing the yellow Star of David, identifying with the Jewish people and also blurring the lines of who is Jewish and who is not. But this was because, again, the matter of violent agitation by Islamists in Germany. Violent threats against Jews posed by Islamists. But According to Angela Merkel, Chancellor in Germany, there is not a single synagogue, not a single daycare center for Jewish children, not a single school for Jewish children that does not need to be guarded by German policemen. How do you like them apples? That's more than a year ago. Okay. What does that say about the state of relations in Europe? In enlightened Europe, Germany, which has welcomed Muslims with open arms, given them housing, given them free education, including university, free university education. Things are that bad, that far gone, that desperate that now the brilliant German authorities have to provide security for little children, children, young people, adults that are Jews because of the danger posed by Islamists. This reminds me Again, of that story that I shared concerning this attack in France of a Jewish school and this precious, beautiful eight-year-old girl who was shot in the head at point-blank range and of these others, this father who was... I can't remember if he was a rabbi. I believe so. And was involved with the school as a teacher. And his two little boys, three years old and six years old, who were all gunned down. That in France. Toulouse, France. And that was some years ago. But some brilliant ones attributed that to Neo-Nazis, perhaps. But the ones who committed that had also assassinated French soldiers or French police in France who were actually of Algerian descent. But to me, it spoke of Islamists for that reason. That is not what the Nazis did. The Nazis, in fact, (laughs) they worked with the Islamists. 
They worked with the Algerians and so forth, right? Conspired with them. So to me, that spoke of Islamists attacking those who, while they may be Muslims, had crossed the line by (laughs) working with the Westerners. But in any case, they were carefully targeted and assassinated. Meanwhile, again, back in Germany, back on the continent in Europe, a party, a political party there, has been using a banner or banners depicting a painting from 1866 entitled Slave Market. And it, in this painting, it depicts Muslims, Muslim men, at a slave market and a naked European woman on the block, as it were, and them examining her very closely. Now, why would a German political party choose to make up banners depicting this? Well, as you can guess, as you might imagine, they are making a statement concerning Islam. Now, certainly there are these various different Muslim leaders, some of them sincerely, others of them (laughs) something less than sincerely, who would decry this as this is just, you know, unspeakably uh, denouncing Islam. It is mischaracterizing, misrepresenting Islam, the true nature of Islam. But this is exactly the true nature of Islam. This is exactly the thing that Muhammad, their sacred prophet, did after slaughtering the men, taking the women and the children, enslaving them, raping them, so on and so forth. This is what they did. This is historical truth concerning Islam. But... Anyway, I think it's fascinating (laughs) that this German political party should do that. You could say, well, they're exploiting this. You know, they are twisting this, perverting this. Condoleezza Rice would say they are perverting Islam here. They are, you know, mischaracterizing, (laughs) committing character assassination. They are perverting the truth about Islam. No, they are in fact, they are in fact reporting accurately on the true nature, on one aspect of the many evil aspects of the true nature of Islam and what it is about. But, oh well. And that party, that German party, about which this is, is known as Alternative for Germany, capital A, lowercase f, capital D, AFD, Alternative for Germany. Well, just because this party is saying this about Islam, it doesn't mean that this party is good. 
the enemy of my enemy is my friend. No, not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily work that way. Let's look at the Soviet Union. You know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Eleanor, they were so fond of Uncle Joe, Joseph Stalin, his pseudonym, so fond of he and his regime in the Soviet Union because he was the enemy of their enemy. Adolf Hitler, Nazi Third Reich. But lo and behold, Joseph Stalin's Soviet communist regime slaughtered vastly more people, including vastly more Jews and Christians, even than Adolf Hitler's Nazi right did. Oh, well. (laughs) No, the enemy of my enemy is not necessarily my friend. And on to Israel, the modern state of Israel. This year, not long ago, there was a minor little instance in which Hamas in Gaza had snipers take aim at Israeli soldiers on the other side and attempt to murder them. And then following that, the next day, but that sniping, just to show you the true nature here again, it's like when they use human shields. It's like when they say, oh, the mosques, you know, this is sacred, sacred ground. And then they shoot from the mosques. They have their snipers in the mosques shooting at the, <laughs> at the American soldiers. Just this is common operating procedure, standard operating procedure for them. Okay, But here, lo and behold, these snipings were taking place during the regular weekly violent riots against Israel that are committed at these border security fences, at these border crossings. So while that is going on, and while that's catching the attention of the Israeli soldiers and they are focused on that, these snipers take aim at them and attempt to assassinate them. Good stuff, right? Yes. Oh, but Israel is so bad. You know, they are the bad guys. Right. Hamas, what did they do the next day? They fired something to the tune of seven hundred rockets into Israel. Approximately 700, more than 690. Approximately 700 rockets. A massive rocket bombardment. Yes. Oh, well. And these were not fired at soldiers, per se. This was at civilians. This was at houses. This was at schools, <laughs> at building, other buildings, you know, restaurants, cafes, outdoor markets, that sort of thing, which is, of course, one of their favorite terrorist targets, using terrorist bombs and suicide vests. And, of course, they prefer to use one of their favorite things. They use young women or not-so-young women 
as their suicide bombers. Yes. Meanwhile, while Hamas in the south is doing this, then in the north, Hezbollah, Islamist terrorists, are establishing the Golan, as in Golan Heights, terror network. Oh, but Israel was terrible, terrible to officially declare that Golan Heights are now Israeli territory. Terrible. No, they should go along with this and allow Hezbollah to use the Golan Heights as staging ground to pour down death into Israel. More on Israel in the next program, in the following program. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps, perchance, we can know now if we care to. Thank you.